0: Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center.
1: Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: When I get elected, assuming, assuming that there still are
1: face mask mandates and vaccine mandates, they will be repealed right
2: away. So that's Larry Elder over the weekend uh, saying to repeal mask mandates and vaccine mandates. I don't know if that gets you elected governor in California or not, but uh, that's what he's running on in the closing days. The election is tomorrow. Have you heard any good estimates as to uh, what percentage of the electorate is going to turn out? No. I think turnout is a complete mystery. The latest polls, uh, there's actually a couple of them. The Berkeley poll that came out had Gavin uh, winning by 20, staying in office then there was an L.A. Times poll or another poll that came out. also had Gavin pretty solidly hanging on. Um, the pitch in the last days has been interesting. I think we have some of that. Uh, Elizabeth Warren getting in on it. Joe Biden is in Sacramento today, and he's going to be traveling around with Gavin Newsom to try to uh, get people all rallied up for you. Let's hear from uh, Elizabeth Warren. Clip number 22 there.
0: Larry Elder has already said that if he gets the chance, he will replace any Democratic California senator with a Republican. He will tip that Senate from fairly Democratic to Republican.
1: Oh, no. Wait a minute. Do you mean if DiFi resigns or or, or goes to see God? I mean, she makes it sound like he's just going to yank them out of their seats. And, uh, and appoint a Republican. And I'll bet you could
2: convince a certain number of California voters that, that he can do that just because nobody knows what they're talking about. Nope, I thought it was really interesting. They've been making the arguments in recent days. If you like what happened in Texas with their abortion law, get ready for that in California. If Larry Elders the governor, which is, of course, not the way it works at all. But uh, like you just said, um, it's a good way to yeah. frighten people if they think that that's the sort of thing governors can do.
1: Yeah, hey, Gabby boy, with a supermajority, a Democrat supermajority in the Assembly and the Senate, how
2: exactly would that happen? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. God, politics is just unabashedly stupid. Well, and so is journalism. How do politicians get away with saying crap like that and nobody pushes back on it at all? How would he possibly do that when he's got nobody on his side in the legislature? Now, the mask mandate and stuff like that, that was governor decree, so he could, be, he could pull that off. Some of your shutdown yeah. stuff. You know what? I just remembered something I really want,
1: want to talk about. And uh, my computer went haywire this morning and obliterated all my tabs I had over. Um, I had open, rather. Um, let's see. Yeah, we'll get to it in a second. Because the reason it, I, I thought of that is Rose McGowan, of all people, who was one of the original accusers of Harvey Weinstein and one of the people who got the whole hashtag Me Too thing going, she's come out and said uh, Gavin Newsom's wife, who's a documentary filmmaker, tried to convince her to shut up about Harvey Weinstein. Now, Gavi's wife gets donated, donated hundreds of thousands of dollars by the super heavyweight corporations of California, uh, for her quote unquote charity. She just happens to be the governor's wife. I, and she's just such a gifted filmmaker that your PG genies of the world want to throw six figures at her to support her art. Right. Okay. And so she's already corrupt. Whether she, uh, d- d- encouraged, uh, Rose McGowan to shut up about Harvey Weinstein. I could easily believe that. I'm not sure that's, you know, going to get that many people out to the polls. Um, But it did remind me that I'm trying to find the best uh, version of this. Um, And this happened late in the week last week, but we didn't really talk about it. Andrew Cuomo in New York, groping and harassing and hitting on all the women. Well, the organization, the vaunted organization Time's Up, which was an up with women uh, organization. It's kind of uh, hashtag me too ish. Evidently, Cuomo and his people called him up and said, Hey, you can help us. We'll help you. I'm so. Give me some Cuomo clips so I can. And I love you. I love you. Love I kissed a woman on the cheek. You scratch my back. We'll scratch yours. Excelsior. You
0: gotta
1: Excelsior. You got to help me badmouth this accuser and tear her down. And if you can keep me stay in power, then we'll, we'll make sure you get funded and everything goes your way. And so a number of the higher ups in this time's up movement craft a a character assassination of one of the original accusers. Okay. That's how into their cause they are, really. And when it all comes out, the entire board resigned. So you're, you're, you're super activist, high-dollar, high-flying, connected Hollywood conscience movements that lecture you from on high. That's about how authentic they are, just so you know.
2: Let's hear from Gavin Newsom himself talking about the recall election over the weekend. 23, Michael.
1: This is a profoundly consequential way. It's not just for 40 million Americans that live in California, but for Americans all across the country. And imagine so, the no, judges, the Republican governor, will point. Imagine the ability to use the line item veto uh, to cut an expansion of reproductive rights and health care
2: for women. Yep, that's what he's going to do.
1: Uh yeah. Yep. Across America, your abortion rights will end if Larry Elder is briefly the governor of California.
2: And then one more thing I wanted to talk about is just the way California handles its politics and maybe democracy in general, because this is what they've done in California with all these options.
0: California's
1: long history of direct democracy aims to empower citizens through recall votes, ballot initiatives, and referendums, but is often influenced by special interests.
2: Every governor since 1960 has faced at least one recall attempt, and just 1.5 million signatures were needed to trigger the vote against Newsom. Too much democracy in California. That's how you end up with things like the bullet train and all kinds of other stupid crap that happens, and then it gets overturned by a court. But it made me think about this. So I'm, I'm still, I'm still on the democracy. I'm still on Team Democracy. But there, are, there are a lot of movements on the left and the right now that don't believe in democracy for their own different reasons. And I came across this from Michael Malice over the weekend, who's my favorite. Um. He's an like, alleged anarchist. Right? Anarchist. Well, that name flitted out of my head. That word flitted out of my head. Anarchist. Right. Anarchist. I actually jumped on his Twitter feed to try
1: to figure out what he was all about and, and, and came away mystified.
2: I often do, too. I don't quite understand his brand of ar- anarchy. But he did say this. Democracy allows people who contribute nothing to believe they own everything. That is one of the downsides. If democracy is constructed in a certain way, that you do end up with that.
1: Often, a guy like me who jumps into the conversation at this point and points out we don't have a democracy, we have a constitutional republic, is being a pain in the ass. But in this case, I would say that's precisely what we're talking about, the difference between a democracy and a constitutional republic, where we have representatives who vote on issues for us, as opposed to the masses coming together. And if a simple majority of the, the, the people who show up are in favor of something idiotic like the California bullet train, which was a complete fraud, by the way. From the opening bell, it was a fraud. But if you can get a majority of the people who show up that day to go for the fraud, you can get so far off the tracks, which is probably a bad choice of words when you're talking about a train.
2: But <laughs> <clears throat> democracy is a terrible idea. Well, but that's his point with um, uh, you know the, the, the takers versus the payers. Uh, federally, as last year we had the highest percentage ever who didn't have to pay federal income taxes at 62%. And that crowd making decisions for the other crowd that is paying for everything. And in California, that happened with the bullet train, that sort of thing. How many, how many payers versus takers voted for or still support something that is just a fanciful money hole, um, while the people that are paying for it don't have enough heft to stop it? right right and and that of course as a
1: taxpayer that pisses me off and y'all in the audience who are makers and not takers i know it pisses you off too but in terms of looking at the future of the country and the kids uh, the the country my kids are going to inherit and the rest of it it makes for awful awful public policy because the permanent bureaucracy Call them the deep state if you want. um, But just the permanent government class in D.C. can govern itself because they are their own most important constituency. And the people who actually pay the taxes, have been reduced to a small enough part of the electorate, they can't fight back. And so it's a perpetual cash motion machine in which the government votes itself more of that poor bastard 38% uh, income. It's a, Every bipartisan y'all have heard this before. If you're a new listener, you're going to hear it again. Every bipartisan tax reform commission ever appointed has said broaden the tax base to get better policy, broaden it. And yet Cal Unicornia and now the U.S. of A. are narrowing it as fast as they can for
2: the reasons I've described. It's insidious. So I'll read that to you one more time. Democracy allows people who contribute nothing to believe they own everything. I'm not anti-democracy like Michael Malice is, uh, partially because nobody's come up with anything you could replace democracy with that would be better. The great winston churchill quote that it is the worst form of government except for all the others i think is actually true um a couple of interesting things happened at football games over the weekend crowds chanting f joe biden what's yeah, going on there yeah,
1: a number of different stadiums
2: the black national anthem being played at nfl games bill maher slammed that uh, during his show over the weekend um i didn't actually catch that but all that stuff and more on the way
1: armstrong and getty The Armstrong and Getty
2: Show. Are you dating? Are you uh, like, on Tinder or anything like that? I heard you were on Tinder at one point.
0: I signed up for Tinder. You did? Put in my name. Uh huh. And I tried to make a person meet me, and they didn't believe it was me. Nobody believed it was you. It was me. I was like, it's me, it's Shaq. For, no, you're not. You know You know what you know, I was supposed to say? Shaq would never be on this. So I had to hit delete. I had to delete my account. She was hot, too. I was like, I was like I'm five minutes. Just Please just meet me at Starbucks and meet like No. Stranger danger. Stranger danger. No.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's weird. Shaquille O'Neal on Tinder. And I remember Chris Rock had a similar story. He said he's on there and they said with your real name. And he said, yeah, that's my name. So, yeah, that's the name I use. But uh, really, that's your best dating option if you're Shaquille O'Neal or Chris Rock?
1: That seems a little odd to me, but tell you what, if uh, Shaq's in a commercial, I watch it. Yep. I do not zap it. uh, The general commercials? Hilarious.
2: So we have Bill Maher on the NFL. Let's uh, let's hear that.
0: To me, when people say to me sometimes, like, boy, you know, you go after the left a lot these days. Why? I'm like, because you're embarrassing me. (laughs) That's why I'm going after the left. In a way you never did before. Because you're inverting. Things that I am not going to give up on being liberal. This is what these teachers are talking about, that that you're taking children and making them hyper-aware of race in a way they wouldn't otherwise be. I mean, I I saw last night on the football game, uh, Alicia Keys sang Lift Every Voice and Sing, which now I hear is called the Black National Anthem. Now, maybe we should get rid of our national anthem, but I think we should have one national anthem. I think when you go down a road where you're having two different national anthems, colleges sometimes now have, many of them have different graduation ceremonies for black and white, separate dorms. This is what I mean, segregation. You've inverted the idea. We're going back to that under a different name. 100%
2: correct, obviously, from Bill Maher. That's why a lot of liberals like him are actually conservatives. They would hate that term, but that's what they are. They're trying to conserve something, which is what being a conservative is. Conserving the way we've done things in the past, because you think that's the best way to do it. And uh, (laughs) that's what Bill Maher is hoping for.
1: Um, Yeah, conserving classical liberalism, which is a bit of a head fake, but I totally
2: get it. I guess while we're on the topic, we do have Ben Carson... Uh, saying basically exactly the same thing. Well, that's a whole minute. Do we need a whole minute of Ben Carson? Sure. Just a minute. Which clip do you like the most there, Hanson? 36.
0: Tremendous progress has been made and this critical race theory is trying to erase that progress and send us back in the other direction. And we cannot allow that to happen. You know, the fact of the matter is you know, all of our people have come to this country from different places. All of our ancestors came. You know, some came voluntarily. Some came involuntarily. But guess what? We're all Americans. This is now the country. This is where we live. I, I,
2: I just, I can't, I can't believe there, there are people that think that this whole racial thing is going to end well. Um, I think they're cynically playing with the idea of a race war, and it's, it's going to end very, very poorly.
1: Oh, you know, now would probably be an appropriate time to listen to an ad put together by a bunch of Loudoun County, Virginia parents. That's one of the counties that's been getting a lot of attention fighting over this anti-racism garbage in their schools, and it's it's interesting. I, I almost use the term critical race theory, but if you use that term to describe what's being taught to our little kids as they're indoctrinated in their schools, their high schools, their colleges, they'll say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa we're not teaching that." Well. It's because it's, the name has, has morphed from an obscure section of law school analysis to this anti-racism stuff, and a lot of people call it critical race theory. Um, but it's funny. Don't, don't be fooled. They are indoctrinating the, your kids, absolutely. But anyway, these parents got together, and they spent either half a million or a million, depending on who you ask, and actually ran multiple ads during the Washington football team's games. So they're serious about it. Uh, clip 30, Michael.
0: Loudoun County, Virginia, spent nearly half a million to develop a divisive curriculum promoted by political activists. When parents spoke up, officials threatened to silence them. Then a teacher was put on leave for his religious beliefs. Others encouraged to turn in colleagues. And now powerful education unions are using dirty political campaign tactics to go after parents. Suppression, political activism, censorship. Let's get politics out of the classroom. Join us.
2: Bill Maher asks, why are you taking on liberals so much? Because you're embarrassing me, he says. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's so
1: much of the whole anti-racist thing that depends on, A, trampling on the First Amendment, or B, totalitarianism. That's, that's the problem, folks. Not to mention the fact that it's an extremist ideology being taught to your little kids. But, you know, I have in front of me the piece Ibram X. Kendi wrote about how we need a, uh, an amendment to the Constitution, an anti-racism amendment. Now I can read some of that to you in a couple of minutes if you want to know how crazy these people are. And trust me, your kids are being taught that Ibram X. Kendi is a visionary in their school.
2: Right, your local school district just took a bunch of your tax money and bought books. A whole bunch of his books. I guarantee it because they're doing that all over the country. Um, got a company that's hell-bent on bringing back the woolly mammoth and actually thinks it can help with global yes. warming somehow. That's what's driving it. It can't hurt. They're going <laughs> to... <laughs> They're going to bring back the woolly mammoth. I know I want one. I've got a camel. Maybe I'll get a woolly mammoth. Put it in hey, the field if, together. Oh,
1: my God. That would be so. you got to charge a dollar a throw for people to come look at him. Anyway, well, and if, you, uh, if Trump doesn't run moderate Midwestern Republican governor, I like the cut of his jib. We'll play you maybe a couple of things he said. See what you think.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
2: Are you missing the adrenaline of arguing with your loved ones about Trump? Getting in fights at work and making enemies out of strangers on the internet? What if I told you there was a way to get back to that feeling? A way to separate the world into two different camps and you're either with us or against us. So close you'll say I can't believe it's not fighting about Trump. Fighting about the vaccine. I just don't understand why you won't do it. Look,
0: if you're vaccinated, why do you
2: care if I am? Well, maybe some people can't get vaccinated. Fighting about the vaccine. If you stop spreading disinformation, you would see that
0: cases are out. Deaths are the only thing we should be looking at. Just get it. I'm not putting some experimental drug in my body. You do actual drugs. The
1: After Trump, I had all this rage and no one to direct it to until my uncle started telling me his COVID theories. Then I just started yelling at him at the top of my lungs and things felt normal
0: again. After Trump, I wasn't really sure who to follow. And then my wife demanded I get vaccinated. So naturally, I told her to... F- off at which point i realized this is me this is who i've always
2: been whether you think every man and child should be tied down and forced to take it against their will or you'd rather have covid injected in your veins than hear the word vaccine fighting about the vaccine replace that old personality with a new personality Focused entirely on vaccine, vaccine policy, and everything vaccine-related.
0: Well, there's a new strain. We're dead. Here we go with the fear, Mom. You don't think
2: we should be worrying about a deadly virus? That's what you think?
1: What, so I should just lose my job?
2: Sorry I care about saving lives. You know, it's disproportionately (laughs) affecting
1: minorities. You know, (laughs) the reason I love that so much is if you're actually engaging in the discussion, and and trying to help people understand that it, it cuts through the clutter, it gets so frustrating. So I just enjoy the mockery of everybody yelling at each other because that's that's all that's going on now. You know, There's sh- nobody actually communicating and, and trading ideas and, and digging into arguments and, and being persuaded. It's out of fashion.
2: So I should mention this here, I guess. So the CDC has their latest demographic characteristics out about people who have gotten the vaccine? Now, this is a little complicated by the fact that they only know the race slash ethnicity of 59% of people who received the vaccine. Yeah. So I guess a bunch of people don't report. Declined to state. I or don't know. Of people that don't report. My guess would be that it that tends to be m- that people that are minority are more likely to report than white people. Am I wrong about that in my guess? I think more white people say, I'm not playing this game. I'm not doing the race thing. I think you're right. I don't know that you're right, but I think you are. So these numbers could be worse than they are. But anyway, um, of the about 60% of people who reported uh, their race, about two-thirds were white. This is people who have gotten the vaccine. About two-thirds were white, 10% black, 17% Hispanic, 6% Asian. If those numbers are at all accurate for the population as a whole, it's a
0: huge.
2: People of color aren't getting the vaccine problem.
1: Well, wait a minute, though. Uh, if I'm understanding the statistics as you're reporting them, if 10% of people getting the vaccine say they're black.
2: but That's 13% of the population. Right. That's a good point right there. That would right mean there. like yeah, 94% are vaccinated. That's or something. a good point. I don't know how you break that down. I think those numbers may be completely meaningless. They might be. They might be completely useless. There you go. Thank you, CDC. (laughs) Arguing about the vaccine. Fighting about the vaccine. I just don't
1: understand why you won't do it. Just get
0: it. I'm not putting some experimental drug in my body. (laughs) You do do actual drugs. (laughs) You do actual drugs.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll just lose my job then. Oh, you like you want people to die? These are all fantastic arguments tires my hiney out. Yeah, I officially apologize for having brought you any of those numbers. They're useless.
1: Well, it took a little noodling through, but yeah, they are, they're completely useless. Ah, uh, so the, uh, the whole how to be an anti-racist Ibram X. Kendi thing, I just saw a featurette where the folks at American Express were just hammered with this stuff. They had to fill out a questionnaire, find out where they were in the supremacy totem pole. And if they found out they were toward the top, they were told in future meetings, you need to shut up and let the people of color talk. So selective racism in corporate America all being taught by these gurus of evil like Ibram X. Kendi, who <clears throat> recently, and he says this repeatedly, says we need to pass an anti-racist constitutional amendment. OK, and this is the guy who's wrote how to be an anti-racist, anti-racist baby, etc., that your kids are being forced to read in their schools. Now, often the curriculum is is kind of soft peddled or denied by your administrators. But trust me, they're making them read it. But here's what he says. To fix the original sin of racism, Americans should pass an anti racist amendment to the U.S. Constitution that enshrines two guiding anti racist principles. Now, there are three different things you're going to have click in your mind. Number one wait a minute, I don't believe that's true. Number two, who gets to decide? And number three, that would require totalitarian powers, okay? So you're going to hear those uh, clicks go on in your brain. So I'll, I'll read on. <clears throat> so a U.S. Uh, constitutional amendment that enshrines two guiding anti-racist principles. Racial inequity is evidence of racist
2: policy. Okay, don't buy that. But
1: So obviously there's racism against white people in the NBA, clearly, self-evident and the NFL, and the different racial groups are equals. Now, everybody should be equal under the eyes of the law, so I think I agree with that part, although you never know with these people. One of their most important techniques is they change the meanings of words. They mess with language till you're not sure how to make your argument anymore. That's like the whole chest feeding and menstruating people as opposed to women thing. That's part of that strategy. But anyway, reading on The amendment would make unconstitutional racial inequity over a certain threshold, as well as racist ideas by public officials with racist ideas and public officials clearly defined. How are you going to clearly define racist ideas? You've got a constitutional amendment banning certain ideas. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, this guy's a crackpot. Joe, why are you boring us? He and his doctrine are being
2: taught to your children. I know. My every local, day. My local school district uh, bought a whole bunch of his books, I assume, to use to teach in classes.
1: Okay, so these uh, racist ideas and, and public officials, et cetera, are going to be governed, clearly defined. It would establish and permanently fund the Department of Anti-Racism, comprised of formally trained experts on racism and no political appointees. Okay. Formally trained by whom? And according to what principles? This guy is unmoored from reality. Seriously. And he's one of the most influential thinkers in America. Reading.
2: And you're really right about the whole totalitarian thing. I mean, how could you there's no way you could force this outcome without severely controlling everything?
1: Wait till you hear what the First Amendment has come into it. Okay, The Department of Anti-Racism would be responsible for pre-clearing all local, state, and federal public policies to ensure they won't yield racial inequity. So every single local, like... We need to mow the parks more often. There are mice running around. That would have to go through the Department of Anti-Racism to ensure they won't yield racial inequity. Okay, So every single local, state, and federal public policy would have to run through this department to ensure they won't yield racial inequity, monitor those policies, investigate private racist policies, private racist policies when racial inequity surfaces and monitor public officials for expressions of racist ideas so putting aside the horrific racist you make the nazis look bad at their jobs uh, 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 ideas there what about the practicality of it you're gonna have one department in the federal government pre-clear Okay? Not like look at it like the courts do, saying, hey, this policy is a yielded an unconstitutional result. No, you couldn't mow the parks more often unless this federal department says, go ahead. Every single local, federal, state uh, uh, law and policy. I mean, that that's idiotic. Like, I, I mean, you'd have to slowly and patiently explain to a six-year-old why that would never work. Because... One day into its work, that department would be 50 years behind in its work. <laughs> anyway, wait, there's more. There's more of this insane blathering that's being taught to your children. Uh, investigate rape, private racist policies. So this all power powerful department would also, if they hear something I say or Jack says on the air, if racial inequity services, they they would be in charge of punishing us and also monitor public officials for expression of racist ideas. For instance, if you were to say, I think all kids should be judged on the same uh, grading system, not different grading systems for different races of kids. That is a racist idea because it would yield unequal racial results. So you would be punished, jailed, God knows what, by the Department of Anti-Racism. And finally, the DOA would be empowered with disciplinary tools to wield over and against policymakers and public officials who do not voluntarily change their racist policy and ideas. This guy makes Chairman Mao look fair-minded. He makes Stalin look unambitious. And he makes Hitler look th- like he has a broad love of humanity. And this guy's one of the most influential thinkers in the teachers' colleges, the universities, the, the high schools, and the elementary schools of this country.
2: So I didn't catch you when you set this up. Is this from his book, or is this some new stuff that he introduced?
1: Uh, it's not new, new. I'd seen it before. Um, da, 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 let me zap. I was just wondering, the is there
2: going to be anybody take this on, or will people continue to hold him up as uh, some people hold him I up? I think as, this uh, was a guest
1: column in one of your big newspapers. Okay, and uh, but I believe it's from his book. One more f-
2: idea. One more fun thing from that crowd. Here's a tweet from a woman named Jen M. Jackson. I don't know if you know who she are, is, but she's a professor of political science at Syracuse University. And she tweeted this out over the weekend about the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. A black woman. We have to be more honest about what 9-11 was and what it wasn't. It was an attack on the heteropatriarchal capitalistic systems that America relies on to wrangle other countries into passivity. It was an attack on the systems many white Americans fight to protect. There you go. She's a professor of political science at Syracuse University. Right. The People in universities and that are some of the leading lights, the thinkers of this sort of stuff in our country are crazy people. They are crazy people.
1: Yeah, I remember the uh, the student body president at maybe the University of America on 9-11 tweeted death to America and then doubled down on it. I mean it, she said. I mean it. A death to all of these systems of patriarchy and racism and the rest of it. She is the president of the student Uh, government at a major american university tweeting death to america that's what you're paying for folks yipes that is something i hate to be the bearer of like really frustrating bad news but what's the alternative whistling past the graveyard or, or, or pretending that this is not happening
2: so, more bearer of bad news stuff. I read an article in the Wall Street Journal last night before I went to bed that has me scared to death about the stock market currently. It sets records practically every day. I know it had a down week last week, but it'll bounce back most likely. Uh, sets records all the time. Some of the stocks out there, when you hear what they're valued at, you're going to think, this smells like something that I've seen before. And I know how it ends. Stay tuned for that.
1: The Armstrong and Getty
2: Show. The trucking industry is divided over whether to let teenagers become interstate truck drivers.
0: <laughs> it's
2: kind of strange. Somehow an 18-year-old could drive an 80,000-pound truck, but has to wait seven more years to rent a Toyota Corolla. Don't you think- <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, before I scare people to death, you wanted to correct something? Yeah, quick correction. I impugned the wrong university.
1: It turns out it was, to my shock, the University of Kansas, the student body president, Naya D. McAdoo, tweeted, happy Friday, everyone, death to America. And when the protest erupted, she doubled down, said, I'm calling for the death to all these systems, these racist patriarchal systems of
2: this country. Death to America. I mean it. Before I get to scaring you to death about the stock market, the new iPhones are expected to be announced tomorrow. And the Wall Street Journal says um, nothing major. They expect better cameras. There's always a better camera, but nothing major. But whenever a new phone comes out, the prices of the old phones go down. So if you're planning on buying a phone, wait till the new one comes out and the old prices go down. It did mention this, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, what will they call the iPhone? Because the twelve came out most recently. Will it be called the iPhone thirteen? Some have hypothesized that Apple might steer clear of the Apple iPhone thirteen, the way some buildings don't have a thirteenth floor. A survey of three thousand Apple users found that eighteen percent would be put off by an iPhone thirteen. Eighteen percent. Eighteen percent. That's a big thing in Asia. The whole thirteenth You're a moron. If you wouldn't buy an iPhone 13 because it's 13, you are you are a moron. Please give me your money.
1: I think the more you indulge soft headed superstition, the more of it you get.
2: Uh, The stock market fails a breathalyzer, says Andy Kessler in the Wall Street Journal. And what he means is the stock market is drunk. Currently drunk. Gives a bunch of examples. Joby Aviation, which you probably haven't heard of, plans to begin an electric air taxi service in 2024. Sure, they do. It's currently worth more than Lufthansa, EasyJet, or JetBlue. Already functioning, successful companies. Wow. Does that seem right, he asks? Well, in this market, why not? Earlier this year, Tesla was worth more than the next nine car manufacturers combined, though now only the next six. Of course, that includes GM, Ford, Toyota. All added together, Tesla's worth more than all those car companies. That's Looney Tunes. It is Looney Tunes. Beyond Meat, which is made with pea protein, is worth more than the entire market for peas eaten globally. Do fundamentals even matter anymore, he asks? I can go on. Used car sales platform Carvana is worth more than Volvo, Honda, Ford, or Hyundai. So a used car platform is worth more than Ford or Honda? How's that even possible? Airbnb is worth more than Marriott and Hilton combined. Wow, The crypto exchange Coinbase is worth more than the Nasdaq. When companies are worth more than any possible reality, watch out. And he ends with a couple more things. Yahoo was once worth $125 billion. AOL was worth $200 billion during the dot-com bubble. Both are worth 99% less today. Tesla CEO Elon Musk recently tweeted, I thought 1999 was peak insanity, but 2021 is 1,000% more insane. Remember, says this writer for the Wall Street Journal, when the selling starts, fear of missing out turns into fear of losing everything, as speculators jump like rats off a sinking ship. In other words, when it comes down, it's going to come down
0: fast.
1: Well, and it's absolutely speculation. I mean, when your valuations are, are, I'm sorry, your stock value is utterly divorced from your valuation. This is crazy. Plus, there's nowhere else to put your money. What are you going to buy a CD? Get get yourself a nice five year CD.
2: But you're just betting on the mood. Um, You're hoping that the mood is for it to continue to go up. So, okay, fine. It goes up. I'll get out before it crashes. I still make money, whether it's real or not. And that, of course, is true. But when it crashes is anybody's guess. But that's some sort of weird psychology bingo.
1: <laughs> I mean, not—it's not, like a psychological lottery. That's, How would you even describe that's it? That's the perfect
2: it, name for it, like psycho- psychology bingo. But it is—it's all bingo. psychology. When does and what causes everybody to say, "Wait a second, Tesla can't be worth more than Honda, Toyota, Ford, and GM added together"? That's crazy. I'm selling. And if wow. everybody and and then and then at what point do other people catch on? Like he said there at the end. And it turns into a panic over, my God, I'm going to lose everything. And everybody just quickly sells. Well, if it's going up for no good reason, as long as it keeps going up, you're going to make money. So people
1: keep getting in because it's going up. But then when the psychology shifts, as you point out, and there are no supporting, you know, fundamentals to keep the prices up, they will plunge as fast as they came down. Oh, boy. Oh, boy is right.
2: And that could be tomorrow or in two years. Who knows?
1: I'm going to get on the phone with my financial guy immediately. Gold bars and barrels of oil. (laughs) Buy me a few head of cattle, too, just in case.
2: If you miss an hour, go to armstrongandgetty.com. Get the podcast.
1: Armstrong and Getty.